a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Michael Wong. The headlines we're tracking at this hour. Enhancing cooperation, Chinese Premier Li Qiang concludes his visit to Ireland, highlighting the vast potential for mutual benefit between the two sides. Supporting development, China's top economic planner outlines the key focus areas this year to drive growth and development, with building out a modern industrial system through tech innovation listed as the top priority. A resilient economy, with U.S. consumers spending more than expected in December, plus strong wage gains, markets are increasingly doubting whether or not the Fed will begin cutting interest rates in March. Well, first up, Chinese Premier Li Qiang has wrapped up his trip to Ireland and flown back to Beijing. While in Dublin meeting with Prime Minister Leo Varadkar, Leo said, Li said China and Ireland should adhere to mutual benefit and always regard each other as key cooperative partners that share development opportunities. The Premier noted this year marks the 45th anniversary of China-Ireland diplomatic relations, and China is ready to enhance cooperation with Ireland across various fields. Premier Li highlighted the vast potential for mutual beneficial cooperation in areas like trade, investment, green and low-carbon development, sustainable agriculture, digital economy, biomedicine and AI. Prime Minister Varadkar said Ireland appreciate China's great achievements in economic and social development, always abides by the One China principle and hopes that China will achieve peaceful reunification at an early date. CGTN's Ken Brown has more from Dublin. Uh, there was some great news for the Irish economy. First of all, uh, Premier Lee announced that Irish citizens now will have visa-free travel to China. They join a list of some five European nations who were uh, granted that recently, including Germany, Italy, Spain, the Netherlands and France. So Irish uh, businessmen and people can now travel to China for 15 days visa-free. We also heard an announcement that Irish beef, there will be a resumption of uh, Irish beef exports to China. Very important to the Irish agri-food industry here in Ireland. Uh, Ireland is actually the only country in the EU that has a trade surplus with China. Bilateral trade is worth around 25 billion euros. 15 billion euros of that goes from in goods and services from Ireland to China, including uh, microchips. Ireland replaced the United States as the biggest provider of microchips to China from the Intel factories that we find here in Ireland. Also very important, agri-food exports going the other way. China has invested some $10 billion here in Ireland. People like uh, companies, over 40 of them, like Huawei, like TikTok, like Uxi Biologics, all of those are here in Ireland. TikTok alone provides some three thousand jobs uh, very positive for the local Dublin economy the Irish economy in general so a very positive relationship overall between Ireland and China well it is day four of the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos Switzerland where global leaders from government from business and of course academia are gathering to address pressing issues on the world stage today's agenda is marked by crucial discussions on climate change the latest technologies and the hard power of AI. 
Keep it here on CGTN as we bring you the latest updates on the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos. As we speak to leaders from a number of industries and sectors engaged in dialogue and conversation that will shape policies and strategies in our post-pandemic world. So at the World Economic Forum, our Guanxin spoke to Joe Nye, chairman of McKinsey China, to get his perspectives on the Chinese economy and the investment outlook ahead. Take a listen. How is China's economic outlook and investment opportunities perceived by participants? Why are multinationals, why are um, other, you know, you know, uh, foreigners looking at China a little bit anxious about the market. I think that what people are struggling a little bit is um, a little bit around this whole era of more moderate growth around a lot of capacity and oversupply in the economy. People are suffering under uh, compressed margins in the business world. And to be honest, there's also for sure a little bit of confidence in both the you know, consumer market as well as businesses that seems to be very fragile. But in their new frontiers, bringing new excitement. I think there are plenty of excitement, if you ask me. Um, you know, I see a lot of CEOs, I see a lot of entrepreneurs every day. And you look at the entrepreneurs in China right now, what they're doing, whether it's around um, the new frontiers of, um, you know, sustainability. If you look at, you know, electric vehicles, batteries, you know, uh, solar, wind, when you look at all these areas, China is the forefront of it. If you look at uh, manufacturing, um, all the, um, the, the latest, you know, manufacturing on the technology side, I think the Chinese companies have been the most competitive in the world. Uh, the value for money equation uh, for Chinese manufacturers have never been higher. Um, and I look at um, all the areas we were talking about these days, right? Technology, innovation, um, you see a lot of that going from China. So you look at the big themes in the world, even AI, right? I think that Chinese companies have been actually been very, very digital enabled, very data driven, and has been actually investing in AI for a while, right? So if you bring this all together, all the areas where people are excited about, if you look at China, it's pretty well positioned. Premier Li Chang made a speech at Davos and one of his key messages, China should be viewed as an opportunity instead of a risk. How was that received? I think the Chinese market, of course, right, is an opportunity uh, for multinationals. I think as far as the last 20 years is concerned, if you look at the top, you know, 50 to 100 top multinationals, their share um, of in the Chinese share of the global market is between 15 to 50 percent, right? So um, for a lot of these companies, I mean, this is already, you know, as uh, uh, Premier Li Xiang said, they've enjoyed the success in the last 20 years of the Chinese market, right? The question is, um, what am I going to do for the next 10 years? And I think the question for them is one of competitiveness, is one of how do I continue my success in China? Um, and it's not, I think, a geopolitical one, I think it is a competitive one. And I think that for multinationals, like for every single Chinese companies, you have to continue to get better because the Chinese market is a relentless competitive market, as we all know. And staying with McKinsey, where the latest data from the consulting firm show that China contributed over 10% of global payment revenues in 2022. And this is, of course, against a backdrop of the global payments industry pocketing in an unprecedented $2.2 trillion in revenue. The report highlighted robust dynamics of cross-border payments, with revenues in this category surging some 17% in a single year 
outpacing the 11% growth of the entire payments industry. Business-to-business -business transactions currently dominate cross-border revenue gains, and China's Commerce Ministry anticipates that B2B will serve as a primary growth vector for cross-border trade to further shift online. Well, the National Development and Reform Commission, the NDRC, that's China's top economic planner, has outlined seven major tasks for the coming year. The seven tasks are to facilitate industrial digitalization, expanding domestic demand, comprehensively deepening reform and opening up, revitalizing the rural economy, reducing carbon emissions, ensuring food security, and improving public welfare. The NDRC also underlined the need for stability, especially in China's labor market. And China extended multiple preferential tax policies in 2023, saving taxpayers more than 2.2 trillion yuan, or nearly 306 billion U.S. dollars. Authorities briefed the media this morning on those achievements, where last year they boosted support for innovation by raising the super deduction rate for research and development expenses from 75 percent to 100 percent. The super deduction for R&D expenditure totaled 1.8 trillion yuan in the first three quarters of last year. That marks a 14 percent jump. The tax data also showed China's growing strength in the electromechanical sector. Revenue generated from the sale of electric vehicles, from lithium-ion batteries and solar cells, surged more than 20 percent in 2023. Tax authorities also continue to streamline red tape to provide more convenient services for firms, especially small and medium-sized ones. All right, for more on the Chinese economy, I want to bring in Professor Zhang Gong from the University of International Business and Economics. Professor Gong, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Professor, I want to start with what China's top economic planner has set out in its uh, work priorities. We were just mentioning those seven priorities, listing out, uh, building out a modern industrial system powered by tech innovation as priority number one. Uh, what do you make of this being the top priority listed by the NDRC? Well, I think this should be the uh, engine of growth for China. I know we all know that uh, China's population is speaking. Uh, there will be no more uh, population dividend uh, and, and the accumulation of capital stock is, is seeing diminishing returns. And I think the only, only way to move the economy forward uh, is to increase productivity, uh, uh, by which uh, technological development, uh, innovation um, are the key drivers. Uh, so I think it's against this backdrop that China's economy has to uh, develop along that path. Um, and, and there's also another perspective that we are in the midst of a uh, uh, intense uh, strategic competition with the United States. And, and I think uh, this competition is more or less uh, centered uh, on uh, in the core, it's, it's all about uh, competition in technology. So I think you know these are the main drivers that uh, the reasons why um, NDRC lists this task as the, as the top one among the list of seven uh, tasks is, is engaged in. Okay. So, Professor, let's talk about the top three tasks that the NDRC spoke about. We just mentioned how innovation, that's going to power a modern industrial system here in China. The second task the NDRC spoke about was focusing to work on expanding domestic demand, which includes the consumption component as well as the investment component. What are you expecting on this front? 
Yeah, so I was just talking about this on, on CGTN's program you know, a few minutes ago. Exactly as you said, um, investor confidence, consumer confidence, um, these are the two uh, ingredients that are currently inadequate right now for China's economic development, and you know, the government has to do something about it. So I think uh, we're going to see a suite of uh, measures uh, continuing into uh, this year, 2024, uh, all targeted towards um, uh, you know, beefing up uh, the confidence, beefing up investors' confidence and consumer confidence. Um, China is a manufacturing economy. Uh, we're producing a lot of things. Um, and um, you know we cannot just export our way to prosperity. You know, domestic consumption has to pick up. Um, consumption's percentage of GDP here in China is still quite low. You know, in Western economies, for example, in the United States, it's close to 70, above 70 percent. Here in China, it's only around 50 percent. So I think there's a lot of room to grow for consumption side. And, and I think the you know, interesting um, theme, I think, moving forward is, is really consumption upgrade. You know, Chinese people are, are not short of you know, money to spend on food and uh, on housing. What they're really uh, lacking is to spend on things that entirely upgrade their consumption pat pattern. Uh, to, to move to the next level, to enjoy better things. I think these are the things that uh, uh, the government should include, uh, should encourage the, uh, the market to develop. Yeah, China's transition to a consumption-led economy is going to be absolutely crucial. Professor, like you said, consumption as a percentage of GDP, that is still a little bit relatively uh, lower compared to more of the advanced economies. But final consumption's contribution to GDP growth, that is over 80% now. I think that's a good highlight, and that's a signal that uh, this country is transitioning more to a consumption-led economy. I want to talk about the third task for the NDRC professor, and that is about comprehensively deepening reform and opening up. And that includes building uh, what the NDRC said is a unified national market, so that has demand implications, and also attracting more foreign investment as well. Looking ahead, what new opportunities do you see for foreign businesses here in China, especially as the country builds out this unified national market that can unleash more demand and consumption potential? Yeah, uh, this is extremely important as an economist. Um, you know, unifying market to remove uh, inter-province trade barriers. Um, these are the things should be done a long time ago. And I think the, uh, some of these uh, uh, issues are still existing. I think we need institutional reforms to address these issues. Um, it, 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 this goes back to uh, you know my my expertise in antitrust. You know, this is the first antitrust law in the United States is all about. Uh, uh, tearing down barriers to intercom interstate commerce, right? So, you know, I think a unified market uh, definitely increases more opportunities for trade, uh, increases more opportunities for economic development, and, and this is all great for, for companies. And I think um, China being the largest consumer market in the world, uh, the largest unified consumer market in the world, uh, this is going to provide a lot of opportunities for, for companies, uh, particularly, I think, uh, foreign companies uh, operating here in China. I think um, very few companies, uh, large MNCs, multinational companies here in China, can say that they're losing money here. I mean, most of them, overwhelming majority of them, are actually making a lot of money here in China. Yeah. And something else that's going to impact overall aggregate demand uh, here in China, of course, is tax policy, Professor. And earlier we heard from China's taxation administration as well. What's your take on how China is thinking about how the country is implementing tax policy specifically to support small and medium-sized enterprises, which are the backbone of the Chinese economy, they provide a lot of jobs, uh, and how tax policy is supporting innovation? 
Yeah, so let me first put the tax uh, picture in perspective. Um, uh, the, the Taxation Bureau, National Taxation Bureau said that it collected 31.7 uh, trillion yuan last year in 2024. Now, China's GDP is about 126 trillion yuan. So that's about 25%. I mean, in other words, uh, the government collected 25% of the value added created in this country last year, which is actually not bad. I mean, 25% is not really a, 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 a extraordinarily high taxation rate, given that you know these are all the taxes behind combined. That's the the aggregate tax uh, the government is talking about. Now, the second thing is that uh, the National Taxation Bureau also said that it actually. Um, you know, offered a tax break to citizens and companies in a total amount of 2.2 trillion yuan. I mean, that's the reduced taxes the, the, the National Taxation Bureau provides. Um, and, and that's a that's a 6.9%, I mean, it's almost 7% on top of the 31.7 trillion yuan it's collecting. So that's a very significant tax reduction. And, and I think, you know, from a, a economist point of view, Tax reduction is always good, right? So, uh, so I think, um, particularly tax reduction, I think for small and medium-sized businesses, which are the workhorses for creating jobs, as we all know it. Uh, so I think um, you know, the National Taxation Bureau is doing a good job, and I hope that uh, um, it will continue its path uh, to uh, to uh, to finance the the government on one side, but as well, uh, but on the side, other hand, um, also um, you know relieving the tax burden. And companies and citizens. All right, we're going to leave it there. Professor Gong, a pleasure as always. Professor John Gong from the University of International Business and Economics. Thank you. And indeed, China is prioritizing economic support for small businesses, which make up some 80% of urban employment nationwide. Now, many small and medium-sized businesses faced challenges throughout the pandemic, but tax cuts through 2023 helped to alleviate some of those costs. Over in Shanghai, the coffee capital of the world, small coffee shops face tough competition as always, but are benefiting from supportive tax policies. Our Chen Tong explains. Hidden in a quiet Shanghai side street, this unassuming coffee shop faces the challenge of saturating the market with over 8,000 rivals. Business is not bad, but competition is fierce. The area between Yongjia Road and South Xiangyang Road has a lot of coffee shops. If we want to live longer, we need to have the right products. So most of her money is gone on product research. In 2023, this shop benefited from over 8,000 yuan, approximately 1,100 US dollars in value-added tax exemptions. 8,000 yuan this coffee shop saved from tax exemptions last year can buy 10,000 of these paper cups. To these little shops, every penny counts. 8,000 yuan can help us pay the internet fees for a year or help us save money on water or electricity fees. With 8,000 yuan, we can also buy dozens of bags of coffee beans or 10,000 takeaway cups. Shanghai witnessed over 110 billion yuan, approximately 15.4 billion US dollars in tax cuts and refunds in the first 11 months of 2023. Many small taxpayers were the main beneficiaries. 
The tax exemptions help to reduce small companies' burdens in their business operations and financing, which play an important role in stabilizing the economy, boosting innovation, and creating more jobs. The first 11 months of 2023 saw total tax cuts and exemptions surpassing 1.8 trillion yuan, over 250 billion U.S. dollars nationwide. And over 60% of taxpayers that benefited were small-sized companies. Chen Tong, CGTN, Shanghai. Whether it's about your education, the home you live in, or the items you buy, your money has a story to tell. Because every business story is a human story. Global Business. To the world's largest economy where U.S. retail sales rose at a faster-than-expected pace in December as Americans spent generously for the holiday season. The resilience in the consumption suggests that the U.S. economy will comfortably dodge a recession despite high interest rates to curb inflation. Akarina Mitchell has more from New York. Well, it really shows that Americans still have spending power and it, Americans have money in their pockets. The so one thing you know that they want to do is spend. And right now, wages are outpacing inflation. So this was actually a strong report. The headline number month over month for advanced retail sales in December up by six tenths of a percent. The estimate was for a rise of three tenths of a percent. X autos and gas, that number also went up. November retail sales also were revised upward as well. And compared to last year's holiday quarter and this one, Sales were up 3.9%. Retailers were very concerned about that going into the end part of the year when everyone expected the economy to slow. So this was really great news for retailers and a testament to them because they really started rolling out deals very much earlier as evidenced by the revised November data and they kept those deals coming. So perhaps people decided to shop for themselves as well as for friends and family. Now, nine out of 13 categories in the release saw an increase in sales. Those included motor vehicles up by 1.1%, uh, clothing and accessories also up by 1.5%, non-retail stores also up by 1.5%, department store sales surprisingly up by 3%. Now, on the flip side, we saw sales at healthcare and personal care stores slip by 1.4%, sales at gas station down by 1.3%. The big question is, you know, we know why retailers care about these numbers, because the holiday sales are when they make the most money. But why do analysts and pundits care so much? Well, it's because they want to see if we are on track to achieve this so-called soft landing, where the Federal Reserve in the U.S. can cut inflation without wrecking the economy. This data shows that they're clearly moving in the right direction. And the core numbers for advanced retail sales will actually go into fourth quarter GDP, something that everyone was quite concerned about, thinking that it would slow after a very strong third quarter. So it'll be interesting to see how these results pan out and then compare it to China, which also released retail data. Monthly number is 7.4% compared to December one year ago. That was a very strong number and showed momentum. But the U.S. is also holding its own and doing quite well. We're actually also seeing disinflation on this side of the things, even though CPI went up slightly in the latest report to 3.4%. The cost of goods, because the U.S. dollar is quite soft, strong is cheaper to import. So that's an advantage that ends up in the consumer's favor. Energy costs also lower, so transportation of goods also coming down. We're seeing disinflation across the board in several categories, including food that you buy in the aisle. Egg prices down by 27% year over year. Even things like
like lettuce down 17%. So the American consumer has a lot to be happy about, and this was a strong retail report. Karina Mitchell, CGTN, New York. Well, the winds are changing in the hardware world as AI functions are becoming a necessity for new product launches. Samsung, the world's largest smartphone maker, has spared no efforts in developing AI-powered devices. Our Mark New has more. At a glitzy event called Galaxy Unpacked, Samsung launched its latest line of Galaxy phones, showing that it's all in on AI. We call it the Eureka moment for a generation, and it all starts here. Samsung showed off AI-powered live translation, available in 13 languages, including Chinese, French, and Spanish. Users can make or receive calls in a language they don't speak and get immediate translation. Hello? Can I make a reservation for tomorrow at 7 p.m.? Hola, ¿puedo hacer una reserva para mañana a las 7 de la noche? Por supuesto, ¿para cuántas personas? Of course, for how many people? Live Translate works no matter what kind of phone the other person is using, even a landline. So, if you happen to make a lot of international calls or enjoy exploring local hotspots while traveling, Live Translate makes it easy to have those conversations. Tech influencer Grant Hines from South Africa sees the value in the new translation features. It does open up doors in real time. It gives you an option and a tool in real time to have a conversation with somebody when you need it and have, get the information that you need. And here it is, the Galaxy S24 Ultra, composed of titanium, also featuring this new Corning Gorilla Armor glass. It's also working with Google to integrate circle to search, where I click on a photo, hold down this button, circle what I'm interested in, it automatically comes up with recipes in nearby restaurants featuring waffles. The new phones also feature cameras with a five-time zoom. To put it to the test, social media influencer Mr. Beast took a photo from 15 meters or 50 feet high. All right, let's look at the photo. Look at that quality from 50 feet in the air. The device's software is also able to help users improve photos by adjusting them and filling in backgrounds. Samsung says those manipulated photos will be marked. I think there's a lot of hype around AI and people are getting carried away in artificial intelligence. And part of that is just neglecting the human impact that AI has. Small things from the, uh, the ability for the photograph to be watermarked once it's been manipulated with AI to having that metadata inside that image is very conscious and very um, self-aware about the, the potential dangers of AI. At the end of the event, Samsung indicated it'll be throwing its hat into another competitive ring that of the smart ring. While clearly health-focused, the tech giant didn't go into details about the Galaxy Ring, preferring to keep the crowd guessing on what lies ahead. Mark New, CGTN, San Jose, California. A recent customs data reveals that China's foreign trade experienced consistent growth, expanding its partnerships with various trading nations throughout the past year. Notably, trade with economies participating in the Belt and Road Initiative constituted some 46.6% of China's total foreign trade. And that's going to do it for this edition of Global Business here on CGTN. I'm Michael Wong here in Beijing. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time.